Hi, I'm Paul Stringflow and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's all about getting to know you as we look at identity management. So settle back and enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to this week's edition of Tech Interviews. Uh, so this show has come about um, because I tend to read other people's blog posts. Um, I don't just write my own blog posts and read them. I, I do pay attention to what other people are, uh, are writing. Um, and so the, uh, my, uh, well, certainly one of my guests uh, this week came about because um, I saw some of the really interesting stuff she was writing in the identity management, identity security space. Um, and, that, and that's an area that has become increasingly important, certainly to the customers I deal with, uh, when we're talking about how to better secure infrastructure, better secure um, their data, uh, and also ways of ensuring that they have uh, you know, a, a much more secure IT environment. Um, so I thought it was a, a topic that was really worth exploring on the show. Um, so I asked the person who wrote those blogs um, whether, whether she'd be prepared to be a guest, and she has done, and has brought a friend, which is uh, always a bonus. Uh, so let me introduce my two guests this week, um, Amy Stokes and Shelley Hill. Hi, uh, hi, ladies. How are you? Yeah, you both hi, well? Hi. Good to you. Yes, yeah, yeah, we have, yeah, nice and sunny down here. Well, in Wales, there's a so sentence you don't always good. hear: nice and sunny down here in Wales. Um, so, um, <laughs> so, so that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, um, yeah, so well, with with both guests uh, this week. Um, before we jump into our topic of kind of identity management and and security, um, why don't you uh, introduce yourself, Amy? Why, why don't you start and tell, being, being as it was your blog post that inspired the show. Uh, so, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do? Hi everyone, so my name is Amy Stokes-Waters. I work for a company called Identity Experts, uh, which as you might guess means we are experts in the identity uh, realm. Uh, my particular role is working in the new business sales team, so I post a lot of things on LinkedIn. Um, if any of you follow me, I'm sure you'll realise that quite quite a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. Um, so I have to try and talk to new clients, bring them on board and explain a little bit more around the services that we provide. Um, so that's my role. Yeah, and uh, my name is Shelley Hill, and I'm on the, the team at Identity Experts also. Um, my background is as an identity consultant, uh, but I also advise on the Microsoft Enterprise Mobility and Security Technologies. Um, and what I do is I help organizations uh, define their join and move a lever processes for their So, okay, well, th- well both, both thank you. And uh, yeah, I think that's a great introduction. And, and already within the introduction, there's a couple of things you've said that um, I, I think are well worth exploring and, and the kind of things I want to explore through the show. So, um, well, let's start actually with that. You, you've both kind of used this phrase of identity management. Um, and maybe um, maybe that's a place to start. You know, so, so what do we mean by that? How do you define identity management? How's that different from just having a password? You know, what, 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 do, we, what do we mean by that? Well, I don't. I mean, sorry, you go, Amy. Oh, yes, okay. Um, I mean, in terms of your identity, there's a lot of different elements to it. So, lots of people don't see that 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 identity is a multifaceted. Um, it's a multifaceted piece of technology, right, essentially around your identity. So, it's not just that you put your 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 username and your password, which obviously is your identity within your IT environment. Um, but there's different there's different elements of the of identity. So there's things like privileged access management. So some users might have privileged access roles at the same time. Um, there's the identity journey that you go on, and if you if you're in an organisation, so as Shelley mentioned earlier, things like the join and move a lever process. That's how your identity moves through a business. So once you you, you obviously start as a joiner as a new as a new person in a business. Um, 
and you might move through the organization switching roles or switching departments or that kind of thing so that's your mover part of the jml process um and then obviously when you leave it's how you deprovision that identity um yeah so that's the the, the lever part of the join and move lever process but there's other there's other elements to identity management that isn't there Shelley? yeah and uh you know the really having a strong identity management solution it, essentially what it means is knowing who has access to your environment and what they have access to um and and actually now how they're accessing it so whether it's on a personal device or a or a um work you know corporate device um understanding how people are actually accessing or interacting with your corporate data um is just becoming more and more important um and those you know join and move a lever processes that uh, amy mentioned there it's all what it really what comes down to it's reducing manual processing overheads for staff so they're not and like basically from managers to the service desk um when you're doing it manually that there's a uh there's a lot more effort required so automating that not only does it reduce that overhead but it also increases security because it ensures that at the end of an account's life cycle it's actually deactivated um now 70 percent of breaches are use a user or permission related um so being being sure that when somebody moves between departments uh, in an organization that they're not amassing permissions. So they're, they're, because the processes are automated, any access they've gained automatically is also removed automatically. And that, that's obviously uh, important. And um, just with identity as the control plane, um, organizations, they, it gives them charge over who, ha- who, they have, who has access and what they are having access to. Yeah, I think that's one of the other major elements of your identity management solution, or which is one it is one of those elements that people often forget about is the attestation piece. Um, so, like Shelley said, remem- remembering to check who has access to what, um, because some people get given access to systems manually still, um, even if you've got an automated system in process in in place. Um, some people might request specific access to a finance system or a HR system when their role or their or their attributes wouldn't necessarily automatically provide that access to them. So having a strong attestation procedure as well uh, means that you you still checking up on yeah. On I think there's again some really interesting points there. Um, and I, what what I like about having two guests is that really you're asking each other questions and, and I just get to sit and listen, which is um, so I might, I might do more <laughs> of this. Um, it makes my life so much easier. But um, but a couple of things that you've said in there, and, and one of the questions that was in the kind of back of my mind at the start of um, before we started recording was about how. Yeah, we we hear the phrase identity management increasingly, you know, and the idea of identity as a um, as an attack vector, you know, as a way of people breaching security. And I thought it was interesting, actually, Shelley, you, you talked about 70% of breaches are to do with kind of getting access to user information or to uh, permissions, you know, users having too many permissions and, and probably permissions they, they don't manage is, uh, you know, and looking at some of the security threats from kind of your experience, you know, do, do you see that one of the big issues around uh, some of the kind of threat vectors that, would, that we currently see in organisations is that they don't, they're not looking at their access security as this bigger identity picture you know it's still very much all right somebody over here allocates permissions this guy sets passwords and and they're not yeah. doing this kind of uh, you know bigger picture view i mean is, is is that a problem with with how people are currently uh, currently approaching their, their it security their identity security yes and i i think one of the biggest problems that i see when, when we go into organizations is that they've got these they've got people that have multiple accounts and i just i think that 
is crazy. I know it's a legacy. Um, I know it's just, you know, this is the way the environment has evolved. But having multiple accounts is a nightmare for a user. Um, and especially when people are, you know, when you're trying to automate access, um, having multiple accounts, it just, that just doesn't work. You, you know, if someone leaves a department, yes, you can uh, shut down that if you've automated the JML process for their main account, but then any application that people have access to, which just has a separate account. I mean, because it's not automated, how do you know that that access has actually been taken away? And I think that's the biggest problem. I think they, um, organizations need to, wherever possible, consolidate so that everyone only has one username and password. Um, now, passwords are an issue. <laughs> um, we were talking about, you know, before the show started, um, uh, about you know, what we think about passwords. But I think one of the most important people, things that um, organizations can do, and actually not just organizations, people, individuals, turn on MSA, multi-factor authentication, where, for your Instagram, for your LinkedIn, you know, like any any application, any system that you use, if MFA or two-factor authentication is available, um, then just you you should be using it um you know single factor not only is it a password is easily hackable like uh, either um uh, using you know hacking tool or shoulder surfing um but adding that second layer or any any additional layer of verification just increases the challenge for attackers exponentially um it, it works by separating separating out the types of authentication or verification into different categories and using something uh, from two or more of these categories to build a multi-layered authentication approach. And so not only, only um, should uh, organizations be doing that for users as well as privileged accounts, but I think individuals in their, in pers- their personal life should also be um, doing it. I don't feel comfortable if anything of mine doesn't have a second layer, of, uh, second factor of authentication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's. Yeah, I, think, uh, I was going to say, I think there's definitely a um, hashtag multi-factor all of the things that we should be encouraging. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah you, was, you was going to say, Amy. Yeah, so I, was, we, I went to a workshop with Microsoft the other week where they were saying that there's only 1.7% of admin accounts that sit in Azure have multi-factor authentication enabled. Uh, and when we know that people have passwords like password or admin on their admin accounts, then it's quite ridiculous that um, that people are not uh, are not enabling multi-factor authentication. Um, one of the other main things around MFA as well is that you should disable legacy authentication. Um, I'm sure you've probably read quite a lot of blog posts recently about people breaking into Office 365 accounts even with MFA enabled. Um, I've seen quite a lot of blog posts trying to, you know, diss Microsoft saying it's Office 365 is not that good because the MFA is not working on it. But actually, it's because the legacy authentication uh, is still enabled, which means that people can get in via an IMAP attack. Um, so if you dis- disable the legacy auth, then it bypass, then it stops people being able to bypass the MFA, and therefore. Well, so I, 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 mean, I think you both made really good points there, and I am a huge proponent and support of the idea that you know, let's say hashtag multi-factor all of the things, um, because I think where you can, it makes sense to be able to, to turn that on. Um, but I suppose that leads quite nicely into kind of a, a next stage of this. You know, we, we've we've talked about some of the existing challenges that I suppose organisations have is that they're not necessarily looking, maybe not looking and understanding the risks of identity management. They don't necessarily see identity as 
uh, such a big attack vector threat in itself um, and are still very much relying on kind mm-hmm. of single factor you know so it's username and passwords it's people logging on you know it's, it's those, those kind of things they're not not necessarily applying um, intelligence to where the kind of device or, or location that people are logging on from so so you know what what would be the some of the things that um, so if I'm listening to this as a as somebody in an organization thinking oh yeah we're, we're, we're lots of usernames and passwords and not much else what, what kind of approaches could people be taking what kind of thinking should they be applying to to modernize the way they look at uh, security and this this kind of wider identity piece i think a lot of the stuff that shelly was saying earlier on consolidating your identities so people have only got one username and password to remember um it might sound less secure but if you think about it if you've only got one password to remember you can make that one password really secure uh, so the recommended practice for password security is that you pick three random words um because Apparently, even the secure passwords that people seem to think they've come up with, apparently 80% of them can be guessed by data scientists. Um, so the only true secure way of doing it is to pick three random words. Um, so enabling SSO allows you to allows you to have a, a more secure password. And then, again, the multi-factor authentication over the top of it. Um, but then it's other things around what Shelley was saying around automating processes. So the joint automating your join and move a lever process using an identity management tool. Um, I mean, internally we use Microsoft Identity Manager, but there's other ones available as things like SailPoint or um, Hitachi ID. So just, actually, just to pick um, on something you said like there, Amy, um, and maybe for clarification. So when you're talking about having one username, one password, because uh, you mentioned in there single sign-on. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose what you're not advocating is that every system you log on use the same username and password. It's that you have a system that manages that interaction for you. So you log on to that, and then that manages multiple usernames and passwords for you. Is, is that is that kind of what you was getting at? That, that's right, yeah. So we use Azure Active Directory to make sure that we can implement things like conditional access policies as well. So when we try to log into any of the systems that we've connected, um, into our AD tenancy, um, it will check what our device health is. So it'll look at whether it's a device that has been rec- that, w- that has been registered um, with our organisation. So even on B- BYOD or corporate devices, so it can check against that. It'll check um, whether that device has been compromised in any way. I mean, we use another tool that sits over the top of um, Intune called Lookout, which uh, it does mobile endpoint security. So that connects to um, connects you connects you to it. Instead of connecting to an unsecured Wi-Fi, it puts it here on a VPN. Uh, so it means you can use unsecured Wi-Fi securely. Um, we, yeah, so condi- and conditional access as well. So it also looks at things like what data you're accessing, um, as well as the user that's accessing it. Uh, so it just ensure, it just it just checks against, against those three things to make sure that, the, and then assigns a risk level to the, to the sign-in um, session. So if it's deemed as a high risk, then it can automate, um, processes such as MFA or it can ask me to do a password reset or it can alert the IT team um, that we've got internally saying Amy's trying to log in from Russia at 12, 2 o'clock in the morning this is unusual behaviour. Um, is it definitely maybe, unusual? Maybe it's not her. Well yeah no, maybe not. Maybe 8 a.m. Um, <laughs> on a Sunday morning might be unusual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so it does things like that. So, it, and it's got with with um, tools in there like advanced threat analytics that'll do things like machine learning. So it can feed into that. It can feed into that um, 
profile that the, the systems have got of, so of this my is, well, this user kind of, behaviors. Um, you know, maybe something for you, Shelley, as well, because you know you both talked a lot about automation and, and, and even the piece that Amy's describing there around uh, kind of single sign-on and then applying a level of intelligence to yeah. the device you're logging on from and the location you're logging on from. I mean, do you know? I, I mean, I asked earlier about kind of modernizing uh, approaches. You know, is automation something that you see as a kind of a key part of of this? You know, that that kind of analytics piece or yeah. automating processes that say when this happens, mm -hmm. make sure these other things always happen. Yes, I, I think so because otherwise you're relying on human processes, people rem remembering to do things, or you know, particularly when you're looking at adding and, and removing access uh, from people. Um, you know, as Amy was saying about the conditional access there too, it's it's about maintaining a balance between security and productivity. Um, so you need to factor how a resource is accessed into the you know into the decisions and and how you address the require the the requirement of you know the sensitivity of the data or as Amy said um, whether the device um, is secure. Um, it should. It, I, I think it should be used in addition to any other security features like MFA. I was going to say, I think a lot of people think when you implement MFA that you that you're forcing users to authenticate against the second factor mm. every single time they log in. But you can do things like check the IP address that they're logging in from, or again, like user health, or the, like Sally said, then the data they're accessing. No. Um. So it's not a switch it on. And it'll annoy everyone for the rest of your life. It's. <laughs> normal day-to-day -day activities a legitimate user will be won't be affected and you know they probably wouldn't even know that they existed the policies that you have um but yeah i think i think that's right that the automation and that artificial intelligence around security is definitely um the way forward mm -hmm. and uh, and being as you brought it up um shelly as well I, I, maybe just to because i think this is one of the things that i see um you know a, a lot a lot of my time i spend doing kind of uh, data management data governance and security mm -hmm. so not necessarily around identity management but securing the way that people work with unutilized data so things like and, and myself and amy have spoken about this before things like the microsoft information protection rights management capability you know being able to yeah. embed that kind Kind of security inside of a document to make it to make sure the security always lives with it however the flip side of that is that that sometimes requires a user to think and maybe add another couple of steps into their work process and i think one of the things that we often see with security is that if you make that security too intrusive, then users will see that just as, ultimately most users are just trying to do their job. They're not trying to steal data. They're not trying to, you know, to, to be a security risk. They're just trying to do their job as efficiently as, as possible, you know. So, so how big a, when you were kind of looking to modernize these approaches, how big a thing do you see this idea of this getting this balance of security versus productivity in it? And have you got any tips of, um, of ways that you can enhance security without having a huge impact on the way users work? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think the user experience, I mean, with every organization, the user experience is probably, you know, almost comes higher than the security in a lot of times, not, not necessarily rightly. Um, so I think certainly with if you were thinking about rolling out um, any of these security measures, one thing I'd say is, I mean, always do it to a a small pilot group first, just so you can be sure of what the effect is going to be on, you know, your environment, as you were saying, with, um, with putting that, you know, that, that labeling or categorization intelligence on your, on your actual documents themselves, when you're 
devising your policies, just test them out on that small pilot user group uh, and make sure that there's no adverse, you know, adverse effects, nothing that's going to upset the productivity of your of your staff. And then get the policy right before you roll it out. I think that's the biggest thing. And then actually collateral, that user uh, adoption collateral, that is probably paramount to, to anything being successful, any of these rollouts being successful. The end user needs to understand what is happening and why? So yes, they may have to have an extra couple of steps, or they may their their experience may change slightly. Maybe maybe it's because they're not on they're not they're using a personal device instead of a um, a corporate device. Um, I would say start slowly. Don't you know go hell for leather and, and put too many policies in all at once. Um, it's something that you have to build up over time, and just keeping that end user informed of what you're trying to do and why. You know, it's not just about protecting corporate data; it's actually protecting the the users themselves. Um, so, I think usually um, adoption is a lot better when you keep the end user involved, and obviously tested those policies very thoroughly on the pilot users first. And Amy, is that I mean, is there anything you want to add to that as well in terms of? Because I think actually some really good tips in, in, in for general in improving kind of security posture from Shelley there, you know, have, have that kind of, um, you know, have a pilot group, have a group you can yeah. trust and work with to help you to kind of develop that, you know, but, but is, I mean, is there anything else that you see in, in that space, not just around uh, where we're talking about their security based productivity, but, but just in general, you know, the tips about how you can successfully deploy enhanced security or, or new security technologies? Well, I think in terms of having a pilot group, I think Shelley's exactly right there, but you need to make sure that pilot group is a good cross-section of the people that work in your business. So there's no point in your pilot team being the IT team because they know what they're doing, they know what policies have been implemented and they're going to probably tell you that it's all great because they've implemented them policies. Um, so so you need to make sure... You've worked with me before. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think you need to make sure that you pilot that you pilot project a pilot team or the pilot whatever it is group of users whatever you want to call it they um are a, a, a good representation of different technical levels within your business um so yeah not not someone who's totally tech savvy um yeah your hr is a good one to have in there and um and usually picking a champion in each in different areas like a mm-hmm. technology champion that somebody who um maybe is interested in the technology they might not work mm-hmm. in it but they're interested and and you know positive about adopting this and they will champion it um, uh, you know amongst the rest of their department and and help the rest of their department if they're you know stuck or or not understanding necessarily why why things have to change yeah, I mean, there are tools that we use as well. So there's a product um, out in the market called Mandarin Academy that um, that provides video video content for Office 365 and we're just developing some security content with them as well. Um, so that's pretty exciting. That um, enables you end users to watch videos, follow learning paths, do, you know, sort of a gamified um, learning pathway um where they get points for watching videos and that kind of thing um but that enables them to understand the journey a bit more it's quite intuitive so you can ask questions that does machine learning so it'll say are oh, you looking at this about teams so you might want to look at this video and that kind of thing um so i think having having different ways of users 
understanding the technology that you're bringing on board as well is, is important. It, you've got to realise that not all users learn in the same way. Yeah, that, well, I think that kind of idea of how people consume information is key, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's not, uh, you know, whether that's education or, or well, normally education, I guess, but not just in security, but yeah, on understanding that some users, you know, some people read stuff, some people listen to podcasts, uh, you know, some people watch videos, some people need to sit in a classroom. You know, yeah. I think that, that understanding that, because I, I think that's one of the areas that we see is a, uh, is a real big thing around adopting any kind of technology. And I think particularly when it comes down to security is that the the end user, and, and it's something Shelley said earlier on, actually, and I, and I kind of tend to agree, I think that the end user experience, that productivity experience, possibly trumps everything, including how secure it is, whether that's right or wrong. I don't think I've ever seen it trump cost, unfortunately. Well, actually, do you know what? That, that leads on to a really interesting, uh, really interesting point, and actually something that I, I kind of, as we as we start to uh, reach towards the end of our time here, something I, I wanted to pick up on that for um, yeah, we've we talked actually a lot here about uh, technologies. We've talked about Microsoft stuff. With Office three six five has been mentioned. Windows has been mentioned. Mm. You know, if I'm listening to this, thinking, how do I start to enhance my security? You know, is there is there some tools that um, are generally available to people, particularly those that maybe are working in a micro Microsoft ecosystem that maybe they don't even know that they have, maybe they've subscribed to? Is there some things that they could be doing what they've already got that, that you see that often they don't? There is. So there is a tool called the Secure Score, um, which is available to anyone who's got a, a Microsoft tenant. So if you're using Office 365 or Microsoft 365, um, you've got access to it. If you go on securescore.microsoft.com and log in there with the, the global admin account, that will show you the security controls that you've got available to you within your Microsoft environment. Uh, and then it will tell you how many of those you've got switched on and give you some recommendations on, on what to do um, moving forward. So um, the number one thing that's on there is implement MFA. And it's the thing that you get most points for in Secure Score. Um, and it's the number one thing we always recommend. Uh, and for, for you, Shelley, I mean, is, is there some tools out there in that kind of Microsoft ecosystem that people often don't realize they've got or don't use that that you would recommend turning on uh no i think well no i think i mean yeah nailed it really um it, that secure score really covers you know everything if you've got a tenant like that already then have a look in there and just see what is available to you um i'd say that is the best yeah and I, th I think there's a huge part in there i mean because we, we talked about things like aip earlier on mm. is your information protection or microsoft information protection or, or, or whatever they've called it this week um you know but but there's a whole bunch of things that we see inside of those that those, those kind of uh you know tenants whether you're using 365 or whether you've got an azure subscription things that you can take advantage of relatively easily mm. that i i think often people don't realize they have access to <laughs> and which probably leads me on to kind of the the last thing i, I want wanted to ask you um you, you both mentioned you work for an organization called identity experts um so it's only fair you've you've both come up come on the show but tell us a little bit about what you guys do how, how you're helping people to address some of these problems kind of the process and things you you might take people through so identity experts we are as we said earlier um I might have guessed from the name experts in identity but we also are experts in the microsoft security stack um we work with a lot of enterprise size clients although we have started working with smaller businesses um to help them secure their identities and other areas of the business so using that full emns stack um, so things like you said before, Azure Information Protection, which is the name of it this week, <laughs> you're quite right. Um, advanced Threat Analytics, there's um, Microsoft ATP, which is Advanced Threat Protection. So that looks at things like how you can prevent phishing attacks. Um, 
it feeds back into the Microsoft Graph. Eight, Shelley, what else does it do? <laughs> yeah, well, and then there's uh, Cloud App Security, Microsoft Cloud App Security as well. Yeah. Uh, for discovering all your shadow IT and implementing um, policies, like your DLP policies, for example. Yeah, and then we also partner with another, a number of companies to enhance the Microsoft Security offering. So I think I mentioned Lookout earlier for mobile endpoint threat protection. Um, we partner with the company to do um, security awareness training. So like we were talking about user adoption earlier, Paul, you mentioned classroom classroom training. We've got a company that we work with to provide that. Um, they also do things like ethical hacking or penetration testing or whatever it is you want to call it. So that's another way that you can get an understanding of the, the security of your organization as well. And we also do um, identity assessments, actually identity maturity assessments, where we uh, will come and we'll, you know, interview, talk to you, uh, an organisation, um, find out all about their current processes and their current environment, and uh, assess the maturity of that identity in their in their organisation, and then um, provide them with a, a roadmap um, of advice or recommendations um for improving that and that the topics we cover like automation consolidation um group management obviously user experience like we talked about today um attestation or recertification and privileged access as well and um and actually we also cover the uh, business to business and business to consumer so um well, one last question uh, before um I, I find out how people might be able to stalk you online and find out more about you um and maybe just a quick one for each of you uh, as kind of a if if i'm listening to this and thinking well where do i get started on this journey now how do i start to improve the way that i manage identity and, and what i do across my organization organization what's the kind of the one top tip that each of you would give as a as a starting place i feel like we might have said it several thousand times before and i do it several thousand times a day on LinkedIn. Implement yeah. multi-factor authentication. Um, you don't need to have password change policies, all that kind of stuff. Microsoft have gone fully passwordless. You don't need to have. You don't need to be using a password. You just need to have one secure. Pa- you can have one secure password, which you never need to change again, as long as you've got multi-factor authentication enabled with some conditional access policies in the background to make it a bit easier. And also, uh, maybe documenting your current processes, your current identity processes, your join and move and leave processes, because I think that's where you really discover um, once you've documented it where where the holes are and where the gaps might be, and 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 also looking at um, you know what applications are you actually using uh, you know, in your environment, and and so therefore how many accounts are you expecting your users to maintain? Um, looking at those sorts of things with current processes is a good place to start because you realise. Um, you know, usually, usually it's glaringly obvious where the where the gaps are. And, well, and I think that you know, and I, I always think that's a great tip for any kind of technology project yeah. is understand where you are right at the beginning, uh, because I think you all want to try and get somewhere. And often we see projects that fail because they're trying to get somewhere, but they had no idea where they were starting from. Um, and so they've got no chance of hitting the end goal. Um, so, so we see that quite a lot. But um, well, I'll, I'll actually start with you, Shelley, just to, to kind of wrap up. Look, if people want to find out more about what you do um, or more information from you or, or, or even want to kind of get in contact with you, is there a way they can do that? Can they haunt you on the internet or anything along those lines? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So, uh, well, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Shelley Hill, we should be able to find me, Shelley Hill Identity Experts, uh, and also through our website, um, identityexperts.co.uk. Um, yeah, it's probably the best way to get me. 
Okay, and uh, and obviously we, we we put this podcast together based on um, some of the great writing that um, that I've seen Amy do. Uh, some uh, I think a lot of that gets published on LinkedIn. So so Amy, what's the um, best way for people to maybe find some of these? Uh, you know, re- w- you know, and I, I highly recommend that, and I'll put links in the show notes actually to a couple of them. But some of the writing and some of the information that you've been publishing, what what's the best way to find that and um, and hunt you down as well? Yeah, so LinkedIn again for me. So it's Amy Stokes Waters, uh, identity experts. Um, yeah, I respond to messages day and night, apparently, um, <laughs> now that I work in new business sales. So, uh, yeah, if anyone wants to get in touch, then it's just via there. Okay, well, look, great. I, I really appreciate your time. I, I, I feel that um, both of you um, may, may be future guests again, because I think this is such a broad topic and, and something that we can kind of delve into in, in all kinds of facets of, of uh, you know, how identity management plays its parts and how you improve your, your entire security posture. So look, both of you, thanks really uh, for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for having us. I hope you enjoyed that. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous Tech Interviews episodes. And if you do enjoy the show, why not subscribe and leave us a review? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. So we'll be taking a few weeks break now for the summer holidays, but we'll be back with a whole bunch of new tech interviews later in the year. So until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>